Welcome to the Tideline Talks podcast, where we discuss all things related to sports medicine, health and wellness. We dispel common myths and misconceptions regarding healthcare, and we do it in a way that's easy to understand. It's hosted by yours truly, Dr. Michael Slafani, founder of Tideline Sports Performance and Rehabilitation. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Tideline Talks podcast. This is your host, Dr. Michael, today. And today we are joined by Dr. Victoria Andarcia, who's the owner of Healthful Roots MD. She's a functional medicine physician and has been a really great person to have as part of our Tideline community and just our community as a whole. So thanks so much, Victoria, for hopping on the podcast today. Well, thanks for having me. We've been talking about this for a while, so I'm glad we made it happen. I know, right? Yeah, we... um, yeah, it's been it's been a long time coming. And, you know, you've helped me a lot, which I'm really grateful for. You've helped uh, everybody that I've referred to you has had really great things to say as well. So, um, yeah, I'm just glad we were able to carve out a little slice of a Thursday morning to be able to hop on the mic and chat for a little bit. Um, but tell us a little bit today. Uh, tell us about the origin story. So tell us where you're from and just how you got into functional medicine and just give us a little background about yourself. Okay, so I grew up in Western Florida. I was born in Venezuela, but I grew up in Florida. And uh, oldest of five, Italian, Venezuelan family. Then I went to medical school in St. Martin. I did my third year in England, which was awesome. Got to travel, came back to Florida, and I finished up here. I did my residency at FAU. And that's around the time that I realized that traditional medicine was not going to be for me. I was an intern, right? Starting out in the first six months, I was like, oh my God, what have I done? Now I'm stuck here. (laughs) This is my my job now. Uh, Because I didn't really feel like people were getting better in the way that I wanted them to. So I started looking up, you know, how do I talk to patients about changing their lifestyle, this, that, and the other. And I stumbled across the website for the integrative medicine uh, program that they have at the University of Arizona in Tucson by Andrew Weil. And so luckily my program, you know, they let me go out there for a month and kind of check it out and see what that was about. And, you know, when I was over there, I realized how helpful it was, not just for me personally, but how helpful it could be for other people. Just, you know, addressing lifestyle, root cause, stress management. You know, there's so much more to medicine than just like, here are the symptoms and here's this pill, which that was very eye-opening. That experience for me was very eye-opening. And that's when I realized like, this is a path I'm going to take. That's awesome. So what was your, cause you did, obviously you did a fellowship and what was your residency? And then what did you study during residency? internal medicine, internal medicine? Okay. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think you bring up a good point because, you know, in internal medicine as well, it's very diagnostic, right? It's like, yeah. you know, we patient comes in with these symptoms, we run these tests, they spit out a diagnosis of X, Y, and Z. The treatment protocol is, you know, this antibiotic or this pill or this whatever treatment. And I think, you know, you were, sounds like you wanted to reroute that a little bit and change the script a little bit. And rather than just kind of zeroing in just on their symptoms, but look at the whole body a little bit more. Tell us about what fellowship was like then out in Arizona, because that was a lot of your background then was the Caribbean and the Atlantic side of Florida. So then what was it like then to go all the way to the Southwest part of the United States? And Well, so when I, before I did the fellowship, I was there for a month and that was most of the time I spent there for the fellowship. It was virtual with some weeks out there. Oh, okay. okay. So I wasn't there the whole time, but I love Arizona. I think they're very uh, progressive in the way they see medicine. Uh, they even have energy medicine in the hospitals. Like it's just like a different mindset. And there's a lot of focus on why things are happening, which is what we don't really spend time on. Like you mentioned in, in traditional medicine, it was, it was different because they also look at, you know, traditional Chinese medicine, Ayurveda, energy medicine. There's a lot of other things that they look at that, you know, still within the hospital system, still within their their clinics, that some people would be like, oh, why are they doing that? But actually has a lot of success with the patients that they're treating. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was nice to have that perspective. And even you mentioned, you know, it's traditional medicine is very diagnostic. But that's the thing when you're giving someone a pill and you're you say, hey, like eat healthy. What does that mean? That could mean anything. Right. And how, how do you explain that to your 
patient just like eat healthy they're like okay they go home and they don't even know what that means eat some celery sticks right (laughs) you're like uh i don't know stop drinking alcohol all the time and just you know swap out like to non-alcoholic beer or something right but um that's really cool so then how did you end up coming about with uh healthful roots md and making your way over to the gulf side of florida so when i finished residency i went to naples and that was like my first hospitalist job a uh, great hospitalist job, but I decided to move to Sarasota. I had another opportunity here at the hospital down in Venice. And, you know, COVID really burnt out a lot of people. Yeah. And, like, even if you talk to my colleagues now, they're just, like, it. they're still burnt out and it's over. Uh, but that's when I decided, like, this is not for me. Also, the hospital setting is very taxing, not because of the patients, but, you know, you have the administration and all those other things going on that on top of the burnout from the patient load, then you have to deal with. And that's when I decided, okay, like I'm done. I thought I had at least five years in me. I think I made it like two and a half. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I decided to do healthful roots from there because at the same time, actually that COVID was kind of wrapping up, I was finishing my fellowship. So Mm. I said, now is the time. It's perfect timing then, right? Because then you come fresh out of re- or a fellowship and then you're like, great, let's take all of these skills and this new training that I have and let's really take ownership of that by starting my own practice, right? Because now it all falls on you, right? In a good way, all of the responsibility and all of the success is all geared towards you, which I think is really cool. So kudos as a, another small business yeah. owner, right? There's a lot that goes into that too. Oh, so yes. um But that's really great. Let's back up just a minute. So we talked a little bit about, you know, traditional versus non-traditional medicine. But um, I feel like functional medicine is becoming much more mainstream, much Mm -hmm. more popular. But just in case anybody isn't quite 100% sure what functional medicine is and maybe how, and I'm sure you get this all the time, how functional medicine and what you do is a little bit different than, say, your primary care physician. Can you just briefly touch on that a little bit just to kind of identify some differences? Right. So functional medicine wants to look at why root causes, right? So if someone comes into me and they say, I have, you know, high blood pressure. Okay. Primary care is going to say, oh, you have high blood pressure. Here's this pill. Exercise a little bit more and eat less salt for the most part. Right. I'm going to look at it and say, okay, let's look at your lifestyle factors. How are you eating? How are you managing stress? You know, addressing those root causes, specifically also you have to look at which i don't think we do very well like detox pathways hormones gut health we have like tests that we can do that we don't do in traditional medicine that kind of zeroes in on these things and we can just start touching on the root cause so that people can come off of their medication and that's how it's a little bit different yeah i think you hit it spot on too and i think um you know the first time i heard about a functional medicine physician was probably a couple years ago and it was a uh, an athlete patient of mine as well and i was like so they just are trying to have you avoid pills and like no 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 it's a completely different feel and you're 100 percent right there is so much less of like hey i'm just trying to take a hammer and you know nail it down right this is more of a kind of big picture Mm -hmm. um really getting into the root cause like you said and i think i think it's so needed and it's so refreshing to hear other people do that too because i feel like sometimes in traditional medicine especially in the insurance world and etc etc you almost feel like you're just kind of being passed along or like just Mm -hmm. kind of like a sheep or cattle just kind of like you know being passed from one specialist to the next or like go to your primary care, get triage to a specialist. It's like, no, what if we just stop this cycle and really do a deep dive into why, like what's going on? So I think it's really cool. So tell us a little bit then about some of the things that you have seen so far and the things that you're addressing in your practice now in terms of, you know, you mentioned a little bit about gut health. Can you tell us a little bit about different things like hormone replacement, gut health? Tell us a little bit of some of the categories of patients that you see. Everything kind of overlaps, right? When you're seeing a patient, um, my passions are in addressing gut health and also hormone therapy because I feel like those two things are kind of neglected. But uh, with the testing that I do for the gut, you're looking at the gut microbiome, which is you know the microorganisms that are living in your gut. And there's a lot of studies that show that the microbiome you know can affect your immunity, how you're metabolizing hormones, you know systemic inflammation can come from the gut mood. Like there's so many things. So when I have a patient who is coming to me for whatever reason, we discuss, you know, Hey, how are, how's your digestion? How are things going? 
and they could have autoimmune disease. They could have issues with their hormones and it doesn't matter what they have, but by looking at the gut, you can address, you know, what is going on by eliminating. Maybe they have a chronic parasitic infection. Maybe they have malabsorption and they're not absorbing things properly. So giving them supplements or pills aren't, isn't really going to help anyways, because they're not absorbing it. So that's like one side. Uh, the other side is hormones and not necessarily even hormone replacement has to be what you do for these patients, but I like to do something called Dutch test. And with the Dutch test, you can see the stress hormones and you can see the sex hormones. And what people don't realize is that stress affects your sex hormones. And we have like an epidemic of stress. And I have a lot of patients who they're like, oh, I don't feel good. I have low libido and I can't build muscle. And then you look at their cortisol levels and it's like a flat line, which it's not supposed to be. And you're like, okay, well, I can give you hormone replacement, but we're not addressing the root cause. Right. So let's address the stress piece, see what happens to your sex hormones, and then we can go from there. Right. So people think like, oh, hormone replacement. She's just slapping hormones onto people. No, we have to look at why. (laughs) Yeah. Why are your hormones low? Um, And I mostly work with women, but obviously I work with men, too, and work with women who are having issues with fertility, perimenopausal and menopausal. And especially because I feel like in the perimenopausal area, like area, these women are often dismissed. You know, I've had women come to my clinic multiple times who go to their gynecologist with symptoms of, you know, perimenopause, low hor- sex hormones, and they're being told, you know, you already had kids, don't worry about it. Well, this is the age, so kind of just like deal with it. And it's so unfortunate because you can really enhance someone's life by just doing hormone replacement responsibly, of course. Right. And I think what was really cool is, you know, you, you touch on it too, is that you're really looking to see, uh, rather than just, again, just pumping people full of hormones and it may, that may be the end answer for them, Mm -hmm. but it sounds like you almost need to set the stage to see if they're even appropriate for that because otherwise, and you know, I can't speak too much for the female population, but I know, for example, a lot of men's health clinics, you know, it's like, okay, great. You've got low testosterone or your sex hormones are out of whack. Great. Uh, You know, a plus B equals C. So here you go. Here's a vial of testosterone. Here's a pellet. Here's whatever. And we're just going to take, you know, you from, you know, 500 to a thousand. And this is the protocol that we use. And it's like, they don't look at some of these other things that what drove down your testosterone, what drove down your, your sex hormones, why is your cortisol so all over the place or non-existent, right? right? And I think that's, I think what you do is so cool because you get the chance to kind of put all of these puzzles together. And I think because you spend the extra time, I think there, there's no rush, you know, it's not mm-hmm. like you're, you're not in a standalone clinic with patients visits that are five minutes each, right? And it's just like, you know, moving cattle. It's no 30, 60 minute, whatever long you need to spend with somebody to really get to the heart of it. And I think that's, that's really awesome. And I think we need more of that. I actually had a cool case. I'll tell you because it just highlights how important it is. I had a 45 year old who came in all the symptoms. She had low libido. She couldn't get out of bed, tired all the time. When she worked out, she would be done for like two or three days. She said that she couldn't get out of bed because she felt like it was just too much for her, just exercising. And she was 45, so I was like, okay, she's probably perimenopausal going into menopause, but let's address it. Cortisol, flatline. So we started working on her stress. Like we were, we talked about journaling, meditation, yoga. She started doing it. Stop running, right? Because her body was already under so much stress that running or doing HIIT training or CrossFit would have just made it so much worse. So for a while, we can't do that. Had an appointment with her two weeks ago, and she'd had irregular periods for seven years, and now her periods are regular at 45. And I thought she was perimenopausal. So that just without hormone therapy, just addressing the stress, she got her periods back. Isn't that wild? Like, that's crazy. And you know, she would have, you know, and no offense to OBGYNs, my dad's a retired OBGYN. So it's, you know, I mean, no offense to other healthcare professionals, but you know, they would have just been like, oh, you're perimenopausal. I don't know. Your stress is high. Like work on that shit. And it's yeah. like, well, what does that mean? Right? Like, I don't know. Like I've got, you know, kids, a life, uh, a business or whatever, right? People have so many things that are like feeding into them that it's not so easy to just dismiss it and just say like, okay, well, you know, the pamphlet says stress can cause this. So I'm going to tell the patient, don't be stressed. Awesome. Right. <laughs> what does that mean? So I think that's really cool. And, you know, that was one thing that I wanted to touch on today, too. Um, I know you mentioned a lot about the gut microbiome, which I do want to touch on eventually. But you bring up a really good point about how 
Um, people are really becoming more knowledgeable and aware of things like gut microbiome, how stress can affect us. Um, people are coming. Uh, it's it's one of those things that we see all the time in medicine where it's like, are we seeing more of it because it's more prevalent or is our testing better? You know, now it's almost like the concussion world. Are we seeing more concussions because our testing's better or are we seeing it more because we're more aware of it? And I think that when it comes to functional medicine and some of the things that you work with, we're seeing a lot of a lot of these same repeated issues, right? Low drive, whether it's sex drive, drive to work out, uh, a drive to just be engaged in your world and not recede into depression or lethargy. Um, we're seeing, you know, obviously actual hormone panels that are all over the place, both sex hormones, stress hormones, all of that stuff. You know, it, it almost calls to question, like, why do you think this is? Is it because we have more practitioners like you who are able to dissect this information and look for it? Or do you think that it's just the kind of more of the society and the world that we live in today? I'm just curious your thoughts on that. Twofold answer. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> and I'm going to start with first, I think that it's the way that we're living. Uh, the stress, environmental toxins are playing a role in the things that we're seeing now that we probably weren't seeing in as high numbers. And if you look at for fertility specifically, the numbers, you know, a guy in his 20s now has half the, the sperm that his grandfather did, right? That's environmental, also stress related, but largely environmental and we're exposed to environmental toxins all the time like if you're eating food from a plastic container you know you get a new mattress you're breathing in like the fumes and the chemicals like it's just like everywhere and we cannot escape it and what hasn't changed is our ability to process and detoxify right like our body isn't processing and detoxifying more just because our environment is more toxic we have a toxic load that our body's having difficulty processing so i think that's one also our food has changed so much right? Which is a huge factor. You know, your food is sprayed with pesticides like glyphosate specifically, which can cause a lot of health issues. People are eating more processed foods, a lot more sugar, right? Sugars and everything. Look at like the label for the bread that you have for breakfast. There's sugar in there for some reason. You Why, know? right? Like there's no reason for it. Yeah. So I think that that's one part. And I, I do think that the other thing is that functional medicine is looking more at why so then you're seeing it in more numbers so you can actually say yes our environment is causing this and we're seeing this in the studies because i think if it hadn't been for functional medicine a lot of these people would have been dismissed and nobody would have looked into the why so i think it's both we have the tools to actually test for it but also our environment is changing nice nice yeah sorry that was a loaded question but uh, yeah no that was yeah i and it is it's just it just called into question just a lot of a lot of that too because it's all over social media now you know you can't escape social media where it's like pesticides are everywhere like gut health is everything and i think some people that should be talking about it are talking about it you know people that are obviously trained highly trained like yourself and then some people that aren't highly trained where it's like you know they're just preaching from you know whatever social media platform people right. will give them attention from um but yeah i mean it, it is it is it seems like it's so much more prevalent now and i think you bring up um if we can go back to the case that you mentioned about the perimenopausal uh gal in her 40s you brought up a really another really good point and that that is that working out is a stressor and mm -hmm. You know, obviously, we run a sports medicine practice and we see people who want to stay active, who are eager to stay active. They may get hurt or they may have something that limits their performance, but they're still looking to eventually go back to absolutely crushing their workout, whether it's running, F45, CrossFit, Orange Theory, boot camp, Globo Gym, whatever. Can you speak a little bit about um, kind of this duality between how much stress is actually causing where, like where the like risk reward is that you've seen, because I think we see so many people who listen to this podcast and are involved in our practice who are really ambitious from a physical perspective. So how do they know when too much is too much, especially the more stoic people, maybe the people that are like, you know, the grind is real and the suffering is what makes me like, you know, just overall tougher. Can you speak a little bit to that? Yeah. Uh, this is an awesome question because surprisingly, I see way too much of that in, in my clinic, <laughs> which is the opposite. In the primary care office, you're usually telling people to exercise. But the thing is, if you're not managing stress correctly, right, and it's perceived stress, work stress, life stress, all those things. And then 
you are adding the stress of a workout, but you haven't really recovered because your day was so stressful. So then you jump at five o'clock into a CrossFit workout after you did intermittent fasting, which also (laughs) added stress. You are pouring from an empty cup. There's nothing to give. So your cortisol levels are actually being affected more by that workout than being helped by that workout. And so what people will find is normally you should have more energy from your workouts. But if after you work out, you're like, wow, I need to take a nap or I'm really tired now, probably shouldn't be working out to that intensity or at least not forever. Right. For that, that client, she was a runner and we said, okay, for like three months, we're not going to run. We're going to focus on restorative exercises, yoga, Pilates, stuff that's going to bring you your cortisol levels back into balance. So it's not a forever thing. I wish she would that because telling runners not to run is like the kiss of death. Well, when you feel really bad, people will do anything. And she did everything I said. (laughs) Um, And, you know, it was hard for her. Now she's training for two 10 Ks because she has the energy and she doesn't feel bad after she works out. But with, you know, CrossFit and F45 and these things, I think people don't really take the time to recover, right? And especially when they consider how stressful their lives are and they're doing it like five times a week, that's like, that's a lot. It's actually not helping you. It's causing more harm. Right. And there's almost, there's no off season with that, right? If you do get, you know, to borrow running, you know, a lot of people train for a race and they have an event, a calendar, they have some kind of goal that they're working for. And I think, not to knock boot camp, CrossFit, F45, Orange Theory, there just is no off season. You know, it's just kind of like they're more of like uh, rather than event athletes, they're more of like wellness and just, you know, general athletes who just want to stay healthy all the time. And I think you're right. It is. It kind of accumulates so much to the point that you hit this tipping point and then boom. What um, can you share with us a little bit of some strategies? Maybe somebody who's listening to this may feel like, I know that we don't use the word overtrained or, um, you know, adrenal burnout or anything like that right now as much that's kind of fallen out of vogue. But can you tell us a little bit about, you know, maybe some strategies or some things that you would at least want to look at or address with some of those people that may be kind of overextending themselves from a workout or a physical perspective? Now we call it HPA axis dysfunction. Oh, okay. You got to break that down. (laughs) Yeah. The adrenal fatigue, right? It is HPA (laughs) axis dysfunction. Um, So I think that I would say cutting it down, right? If you're someone who goes to CrossFit five to six times a week, I would say do three times a week. And you actually see, and I see it a lot with my patients, that their workouts get better, right? They'll be like, oh, I hit this PR. Okay, cool. You know, it's because you're working out less and you're recovering more. And then adding things that are restorative like yoga or you know maybe you go for a walk something that's not going to be as taxing and then the other thing is if you are stressed there's some herbs and supplements that you can use like i like using adaptogens because there's a lot of studies showing that adaptogens can help regulate your cortisol levels and then the other thing is sleep because i have a lot of people who come to me they're training really hard working really hard and then you're like how are you sleeping oh i I don't sleep very well and it's only like six hours and you're like okay So let's focus on like the sleep aspect. Um, So those are usually how I go, but I think supplements can be very helpful. And especially one that I talk about all the time and I feel like everyone should be on it is like a magnesium supplement, especially in the evening because it's calming and it helps recover. So I just think like finding the right uh, supplements to help support you and your nervous system would be good, but also doing um, stress management. Right. And I'm like, really, I believe a lot in like breath work and journaling and meditation, whatever it is. I can't tell you enough. I talk to so many clients and I think everybody needs it. Yeah. Yeah. And it actually does help with regulating your nervous system. Right. Well, I think you you hit so many things, so many good points. But I think the biggest thing is that notice that as you were talking and you're talking about stress and things like that, you mentioned supplements, not pumping people full of hormones, not pushing pills, not like, oh, you're having issues with sleep. Great. Here's a Xanax or here's like something, some type of sleep aid. It's like, no, this is what we can actually do to supplement or naturally enhance what our body is already trying to do that maybe you're just not giving it an opportunity to. Right. And I think that I think just embodies everything that your entire practice is about. So that was Perfect. Can you now use the term HP access dysfunction? Can Mm -hmm. you talk to us a little bit about what that is? Because I think a lot of people are more familiar with like 
adrenal burnout or adrenal fatigue, but we're not really using that anymore, right? So can you tell us a little bit about um, the HP axis and kind of what sort of dysfunction there is when you're talking to some of your patients as well about this? Yeah. Uh, So, I mean, essentially it is adrenal burnout, but it fell out of favor in the medical community. Uh, But I think calling it HP axis dysfunction kind of describes really what's going on. Because when you're balancing, you know, hormones, managing stress, talking about that, it starts in the hypothalamus, you have your pituitary, and then, you know, your adrenal glands. And when you are under a lot of stress, and this is a part of like the fertility and hormone testing that you do, you can, if you look at the pathway of how your hormones are made, cortisol comes first and the sex hormones are at the end of it. So when you're talking about HP axis dysfunction, basically what's happening is that your body is shuttling all its energy down the pathway to make cortisol. And it's not making the sex hormones because it's not priority, right? Like if you're trying to survive all the time, which is what cortisol is helping you do, then you don't need to be, you know, having children or doing other things. So uh, that Adding is to it, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So um, that's usually what we, when we're talking about HPA access dysfunction, you're talking about just like a dysregulation in how your body is producing hormones because it's mostly just shuttling towards the cortisol. Gotcha. So then obviously the, one of the things that you measure then is what is, what are people's cortisol levels at um, when they yeah. come in and they feel like they're strung out, burnout, things like that. And how do you test, you mentioned the Dutch test. Um, how do you test for cortisol? Is this a blood test or can you tell us a little about some of the testing that you do? I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I was going to talk about that. I think a lot of, People, when they go and talk to the doctor about cortisol, they'll get like a one-time lab in the morning. But, right, cortisol levels change throughout the day. So I think it's important that when you're doing it, uh, salivary and urinary are the way to go for that. And I usually like to do tests where you can measure it four times throughout the day, you know, in the morning, right when you wake up, mid-morning, afternoon. And then if you wake up sometime in the middle of the night, that would be another time to get a sample because then you can see throughout the day with what your cortisol is doing. Cause some people, when they wake up, it might be fine, but then mid morning it's like on the ground. Right. Or maybe people who have trouble sleeping will have a higher cortisol level at night and that's why they can't sleep. But if you didn't test that one, then how do you address what's going on at night when they can't sleep? Uh, so, so you I, want like a moving picture rather than just a snapshot, like right. a one time, one yeah. time dig. It doesn't tell you anything. The snapshot, it doesn't tell you like, what's going on throughout the day. And now I'll see it, you know, sometimes I'll see like people dip in the afternoon and they'll tell me, yeah, around like two, between two and four, like I always get super tired. And then you can see cortisol look right on the ground. And then you're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. I can see why. Yeah. Do you, um, cause you're probably talking to a lot of people right now who are like, oh yeah, that's definitely me. I hit that afternoon slump, right? Yeah. Which makes sense then, like you just said, all of a sudden it's almost like the cortisol faucet just gets turned off and now you've got no drive, nothing. Anything to do to manage that at all? Or is that something more of like in-depth analysis is, is needed? Anything that, um, like any quick little nugget you can throw people uh, their way besides like, hey, maybe don't slam another energy drink uh, at two to four, you know, something like that. Well, that's another thing. Um, we drink too much caffeine. We're over caffeinated. And every time that you drink caffeine, it's a stimulate, a stimulant. So you're stimulating your body right in a stressful way. That's not going to help the cortisol situation. So sometimes I actually find that people who quit caffeine for a little while they'll actually have a rebound in energy levels once they stop it because your body's not dependent on that. And you're not like producing, you know, that stress when you are pounding down your energy drink. I think that that would be one, be mindful of that caffeine intake. And then the other thing is watching what you're eating because a lot of people will maybe have like a high carb lunch, insulin, cortisol levels, glucose, Cortisol also affects your glucose levels too, right? So if your glucose spiking, insulin spiking, people are getting tired in the middle of the day. So I think just having a balanced diet, high in protein, no fats, and then just kind of watching your carbs, especially if you're a little bit sensitive, that could help. Um, But I think really it's kind of knowing where you're at and how your cycle is kind of changing throughout the day. That's mostly important because there are supplements that you can use 
to help like bring it up at certain parts in the day. For example, licorice root is one. So let's say I wake up in the morning and it's super low and I'm having a hard time getting out of bed. I can supplement with licorice root in the morning if I don't have high blood pressure. <laughs> and that will help kind of get your pattern more regular. However, it's not forever, right? The point of the supplement is just to kind of help get you back on track while you're working on the things that caused that in the, you know, to begin with. And one of the other things I use, which you and I discussed was DHEA, um, cause that could also help in that, uh, pattern as well. Real quick. Can we touch a little bit about, uh, the glucose, insulin, cortisol, and kind of how all three of them work together as hormones to, uh, regulate our, our stress and our energy as well. Can you just touch a little bit about that for maybe those of us that weren't paying attention during biology class? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, uh, insulin first. So when your glucose spikes, your insulin level will spike to try to bring the glucose down, right? But also when you're under high stress, and even if you wear a glucose monitor, which I've done, I've had my family do, and the moments that people get upset, right, and they're they're triggered, and that stress, stress uh, fight or flight comes up, your glucose will also spike. But why is that? It's because cortisol increases. Fight or flight, you need the glucose to run away from the tiger or the bear. So you're kind of releasing more glucose to help your body deal with that situation. So people who are overly stressed and you know have issues with their cortisol levels maybe being too high, they actually might start gaining weight because you're constantly releasing that glucose and then the insulin will continue to spike, making you insulin resistant, which is ends up like that's what like diabetes is. And you don't have to be diabetic to have like high insulin levels. So that's kind of how they're connected. And then, you know, sometimes by just working on people to manage their cortisol levels better, they can actually lose weight because if your cortisol is high, glucose is high, and then you start holding on to fat. Right. Cause you don't actually need that fight or flight to be around all the time. Exactly. Like relax, man. You're literally just driving home. You don't need a, a rush <laughs> of that, like fight or flight instinct or yeah. like, Hey, it's two o'clock in the afternoon. Like, you know, you don't need this huge rush just for this like board meeting that you have or just to like, I don't know, in between patient care, in between whatever else you have going on. So and then your body then, like you said, sounds like it just will adapt to that. So if you have all of this energy that's available and you don't actually really need it or you don't actually use it, it's got to get stored. Right. And then so that storage exactly. is fat because that's our long term storage and people gain weight and then they get frustrated and they try things like diet pills or like adding more stress. And then, like you said, it sounds like if you just work on stress management, you stop getting this flood of extra energy that your body doesn't know what to do with. So. Yeah. And, and I've seen it. I mean, anyone who can get a glucose monitor, I think it's really interesting because you see like when I'm here, my glucose levels are pretty solid. I'm hanging out. And then I had it on when I went to work in the hospital like a couple weeks ago and my sugar had even eaten shot up to about like 200 because there was like something going on in the hospital that stressed me out. And I was like, this is crazy. I've never seen myself with a sugar of 200, but that just shows you the impact of stress on your body and people don't really know. Right. Right. Which is wild. I think, um, yeah, it, it's crazy how, you know, we, I think sometimes get caught up in these minute details and then we almost need somebody like you to be able to step back and say, listen, this is not just like a single track issue. This is not just, hey, I have insulin resistance and therefore I need to address this. It's not like, hey, I'm having a hard time losing weight. And it's like, okay, well, let's figure out why, right? And I think you you brought up at least three or four different kind of cog wheels that our own body's doing to help maintain this homeostasis. Mm -hmm. And these are all different, you know, cog wheels, different levers that you can pull and work with when you work with somebody like you. And I think that's why I think your practice and just you as a healthcare provider, so beneficial for so many people to be able to help manage that. Right. And I think it's just, it's just really fascinating because, you know, when, even when you and I've worked together, it's like, I'm sitting here and I'm telling you what's going on. And you're like, well, let's actually look at this. And I'm like, Oh, like that came out of left field. And you're like, Oh yeah, well this can actually do this too. And it's like, you know, it's just, there's so many different things. And I think, what happens is, and not to bash people that are on social media, but, you know, because they are talking about valid points, but I think 
some of the people that talk about what you and I are talking about who aren't trained like yourself, I think they're looking at things unidimensionally and you've already brought up so many different layers and so many different things that feed into one single person. And if we don't have the ability to go down a specific rabbit hole or to look at something unique, then you may end up like doing a deep dive in the complete wrong direction. And then you're chasing your tail trying to figure out what's going on and, you know, X, Y, and Z. So I think, uh, and I think that's where your training is so cool because you're able to do it and it's so easy for you. Like, it's not even that hard, you know, you just literally going through it all. And it's like, okay, let's do X, Y, and Z. And can we touch on DHEA a little bit? Because I think that is starting to become a little bit more popular as a supplement um, that we're seeing, especially in a little bit more of the athletic population as well. Can you touch a little bit about what DHEA is and what its role is and how it Uh, is involved with cortisol and stress as well. Yeah, so that's a really cool one. Uh, And you'll see it on the Dutch test too, because DHEA is made by the adrenal glands, right? And cortisol is as well. So if your cortisol levels are all over the place, DHEA is going to kind of be lower, right? Because it's essentially a precursor to sex hormones. So estrogen, testosterone, not in high numbers, right? But it is a precursor to hormones. So that's how I know that someone's sex hormones are being affected. Like, and when I say sex hormones, I'm talking about estrogen and testosterone. Progesterone is being affected by stress when the DHEA number is low, right? Because then I can say, okay, the adrenal glands are overproducing the cortisol. They can't make the DHEA. So their sex hormones are then going to be low. And, you know, that's one of the things that I use in supplementation for people who are low and have high stress because DHEA is important for bone mineral density, important for mood, energy. And that's, again, not something you want to be on long term. But if you are having issues with energy and your DHEA levels are low, it could be very beneficial as well. Right. But um, yeah, so that is a good one. But also just be mindful, like there are side effects of using it. So just because you feel like you would benefit from it, not everyone should jump on using DHEA. So this is like the third different thing that you've said, like, hey, this is a great kind of bridge supplement or a bridge intervention to get to the root cause. So I think a lot of people, and it's just today's world, you know, people just want like, hey, uh, something doesn't work, give me something to fix it, rather than like, okay, something's not working, let me look within to be able to fix it. And I think that that's now at least a third time just in our podcast today that you've said that. And I think it's it's so true, right? It's like, hey, stop looking for this quick fix. Sure, we can have a bridge supplement. We can have a bridge thing that we do, but we're not necessarily going for the root cause. We need to have a bridge supplement so that or have a bridge intervention that we can then do a deep dive to be able to actually get to the core of what's going on. And I think that's that's really it's really smart. I think it's really needed too, because I think so many people are, you go to GNC, you go to like, um, you know, whatever, Whole Foods, or you go to like Publix in their supplement aisle, and you've got nature made yellow label all over the place, right? And it's like, you know, they're like, oh, I heard like, this is supposed to be good. And then now they got a shopping cart full of like, melatonin because they want to help sleep and then they've got you know fish oil because they heard that's good for like their cholesterol or something like that right and then now all of a sudden you're like throwing in all these little supplements and it's like no we just need to kind of identify a couple things at a time and let your body kind of regulate to figure figure out what's going on and then really attack the root cause and that's another good point uh one, not all supplements are made the same, right? The bioavailability of what you're taking is different depending on how it's, you know, made, produced. And uh, the other thing is I've had people come to me with like a list of supplements that they started taking because they were listening to podcasts. And then you look at their labs and you're like, ooh, actually, you probably shouldn't have been taking some of these right? because it does more harm than good. So that's like another thing is, yeah, the podcasts are great, but they're talking to a general population. They're not talking to an individual and your case might be different than the general population. So when you start doing all this different supplementation, you might actually be doing more harm. Exactly. And I think, you know, you start to add different fuel to the fire and it's like, well, shit, now what's what, what, now where are we at? We've already gone way off base and now we've got to sort of unravel and kind of get back to where we were before. So that's, that's really cool. Um, 
can we let's talk a little bit about how you've helped me if that's okay um i'd love to offer myself up as a case study so you and i met and i was having some pretty pretty rough symptoms i was having a lot of something that you already said you know things like low energy i was starting to get depressed i was starting to uh gain a lot of weight um about a year ago uh we're about ready to go into the crossfit open and about a year ago there was a workout that had bar muscle-ups and I tore my lat in it. And then as soon as I tore my lat, I noticed that all of a sudden it was like I couldn't recover from it. I was having a hard time just working. I was having a hard time concentrating. And that's when I got blood work and then you and I got hooked up and we went over that. And, um, you know, it was just more than just um, one thing that I want to touch on is that it was more than just fatigue. It was that true brain fog. And I think Unless you've really had true brain fog before, I think it's really hard to describe. And people would ask me, you know, what do you mean by that? Like, are you just tired? Like, you know, why don't you just sleep better or like slam another energy drink or drink more coffee, right? And it's like, no, this is something different. Like, it feels like if you ever had a concussion, it feels like you're walking around in this haze, like caffeine can't touch it. By the time that you and I linked up, I was on about 800 to 900 milligrams of caffeine per day. Like, and I was still crashing at like 5 p.m like literally on the couch like out like a light and i'll never forget i don't know if you remember this our first phone conversation when we hopped on the phone after you had ordered a few more lab uh tests and we were going to have our first meeting and we were going to review the results and talk about a game plan and you're like yeah so i got your lab results like how are you feeling and i was like oh like i feel good and you're like no, like, how are you really feeling? <laughs> like, I don't believe you. Like, you totally called me out on my bullshit. And you were like, I have your labs in front of you. Like, how are you really feeling? And I was like, oh, well, yeah, I guess this is this is the person that I need to see who's going to, like, call me out and not let me just, like, slide. And it's like, you know, we had a whole litany of different things about, like, what was going on. But uh, can you talk a little bit? Do you mind sharing a little bit about about my case and just some things that that we saw as well? Um, yeah. like with, you had mentioned a little bit of DHEA, but, um, the things that we got where we saw low testosterone and we saw cortisol was all out of whack. So can you talk to us a little bit about, um, what you did in that instance? Yeah. So I remember I was looking at your cortisol and DHEA levels when I asked you because people can't hide from that. Right. <laughs> and so also, you know, in context, you have a business. I know it's stressful. So I think stress was a piece in that, right? So when we started working together, it was just about making you aware how the stress was impacting your health and, you know, trying to find ways to manage that. And then we did try, remember, to be conservative and not jump to hormone replacement. And we really weren't seeing the results that we wanted. I think we gave it like two months or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw some results because yeah. I remember, um, I do remember taking some of the DHEA droplets. And mm-hmm. I do remember um, feeling for at least for the first month, I was like implementing some more stress reduction strategies that you had talked about, some breath work. And I do remember feeling like a little bit of a boost of energy and ironically cutting down the caffeine. Yes. Oh, and actually, I think the other thing for you is that you were working out so much. Yes. Right? Yeah. And so coming, again, you were pouring from an empty cup. You didn't have reserve. And so every time that you went to work out, you felt, you know, worse because of that. And, um, you know, with hormone replacement for you, we also discussed like two different options. We discussed using peptides, Mm -hmm. right, Uh, which also stimulate your body's production of sex hormones or going into TRT, at a certain point. Yeah. Cause you're right. You hit a wall with the DHEA and you know, it was crazy how starting the TRT, how quickly you, you rebounded. That was, it was wild. It was wild. Cause here I was at the age of 36 and had started a practice. And before all of that, I was used to working out five to six days a week at CrossFit. And I, I love CrossFit. This is not a knock on CrossFit. I think it's awesome. And it could have been CrossFit. It could have been F45. It could have been any other high intensity activity. But here you have somebody that's been doing that for 10 years, never had any issues. And then out of nowhere has this tears their lat on a bar muscle up. And then all of a sudden just kind of starts to realize all of these things, brain fog. Like I thought that getting four hours of sleep was just something that every small business owner does for the first couple of years. And you're like, no, that's not how it works. Like, well, it's like, well, I didn't know that. I was like, now I'm counterbalancing it with like 
a bunch of caffeine. And, you know, it was just really interesting just to kind of siphon through all of that as well. And, you know, you were the one that was like, well, what happens if you take a break from CrossFit? And I was like, what, really? And he's like, yeah, <laughs> you just like take a break from it. And I'm like, and do what? And you're like, I don't know, just work on yourself. Like, and it was, it blew my mind because I was like, it was such a, it was like Occam's razor. It was like the simplest answer is the right one. And I was yeah. like, you mean just stop working out? And you're like, yeah, what happens if you do that? And I was like, I don't know, I'm going to get fat. I'm going to get lazy. Like, I'm going to like all of this stuff, right? And you're like, no, I'm looking at your lab results and that may not be a bad idea. And it was, you were right. Like, cut down on my caffeine and I cut down and I, I was afraid that was going to rebound. But no, it was crazy. Like between the DHEA, cutting back some caffeine, working on some stress management things and all of a sudden... I started to get more energy and then, you know, we kind of hit a plateau and then that's when we recheck some things and we did end up going on HRT, TRT, but, um, can we talk a little bit about, so I think there is some stigma, not so much now, but just in case maybe there is a little bit, some stigma that TRT is, uh, cheating or that it's steroid abuse, that it's for guys who just want to get crazy ripped or like increase their aggression, that it's some type of like, NOS booster for the gym you know can you yeah. talk a little bit about like true HRT the way that you do it and not maybe you know the way that other people may approach it yeah so this is true for men and women that there is a stigma with you know the hormone replacement however I think that the studies that we are looking at when we talk about this is outdated I actually just posted an article on this in my Instagram this past week but so there's Things like, oh, if you put someone on a hormone replacement, it's going to affect their lipid levels or um, increases their risk of cardiovascular disease, increases their risk of prostate cancer. And actually, if you look at the updated studies, actually shows quite the opposite. And I've seen it in practice too. Guys who, you know, are doing all the right things and they are eating right, exercising, they can't lose like the last few pounds and their testosterone is really low and they have like high cholesterol, you put them on hormone replacement and they are able to lose the last few pounds. Their lipid levels increase, I mean, I mean decrease. And so overall their health improves. So that's for men. And also as far as the brain fog, having low T can cause brain fog. So you're also helping boost cognition, mood, and I think there was a study, and I don't remember because it was a long time ago, but even people who are on opiates, if you put them on TRT with the opiates, they actually do better, like overall wellness, feeling their their feeling, and also their health improves on that, like together. Um, and then for women, you know, the Women's Health Initiative, when they were doing their studies, they were looking at synthetic hormones, one, right? And also, I don't think that um, they were really looking at the right populations. Now, when they've gone back and they've kind of broken down the studies a little bit more, there's a lot of benefit to being on hormone replacement as women. One, again, your bone mineral density, which is super important because women are getting osteoporosis. You know, you fall, you break your hip. That has a really high mortality rate. So you want to be good on that. And then, you know, one of the other benefits that they're looking at now is out of Stanford, there's a doctor called Lisa Moscone, and she's doing research on why women are two times more likely than men to get dementia. And it has to do with the hormone fluctuations that we experience as women. And in some cases, they've seen, I mean, like, I can't say, you know, if you're, if you have a risk of dementia, take hormones, but they have seen a boost in cognitive performance when they have hormone replacement, especially if it's done early. Additionally, women have a higher risk of cardiovascular disease after menopause because estrogen is protective and anti-inflammatory, right? So if you are doing hormone replacement, you know, are you decreasing the risk of cardiovascular disease? These are things that you have to look at. And obviously you have to make sure that you're not increasing the risk of cancer. If there's a family history, you also have to do um, testing that shows you how they're metabolizing. There's like a lot involved in it, but if you do it safely, it can have a lot of benefits. I've even had people come to me and they're like, I don't want to do hormone replacement. And then I sit down with them and I'm like, discuss the studies, the updated studies. And then they go on it and they're like, oh my God, I feel so much better. I'm not coming off of this. This is great. <laughs> you know? So I think it's, um, Dr. Mark Hyman, he's one of my favorite doctors, and he says, and it's sad to say, but our current medical world is like 10 years behind the actual data. 
So when you go see your primary care doctor, unless they're involved in a lot of like continuing medical education, they're 10 years behind the most recent literature. And so that's where I think we're kind of at with the hormone thing is that we're looking at old data that's, you know, outdated and it's not really true. And I think that the benefits of hormone replacement with done correctly can actually improve your health, not just how you feel in the gym, but actually improve your weight, improve your lipids. So many things. I was just about to say, you touched on so many things and you're absolutely right with all of the things that you um, mentioned about all of the benefits of HRT. None of them had to do with like benching more, squatting more, running further, like none of the like more anabolic or performance boosting. All of the things that you mentioned were all just health and wellness things. And it's like, until you've suffered a true like health and wellness dysfunction or decline, like having having something that is a solution that does have small risks, but obviously it's managed appropriately and, and done correctly, it's a game changer. And in some ways it could be a life changer too. And I think that's what I think is so important to stress is that, you know, people, people will tell me, you know, especially now they're like, Oh, like, you know, you lost some weight or you look good. Like what's been going on. And I'll tell them a little bit. And I'm like, yeah, I started, I actually started TRT. And they're like, Oh, you mean like you started steroids? Like, no wonder you look better. And I'm like, well, no, like we actually start, I work with a functional medicine physician and we did some lab results and, you know, we came up with a very structured game plan. She went over the risks and she basically provided me with a means to help to better myself. And yes, the weight loss, the performance in the gym, that's a, that's a really great side effect, but it wasn't, it wasn't really what I was chasing when I met you. It was Mm -hmm. more of just like, Hey, I'm like crashing and burning and I need some help to get out of the hole because other things that I've tried, like caffeine intake and, you know, going on crazy diets to try to like, you know, either lose a little bit of weight or try to boost my performance in the gym just weren't working. And it's like, you know, you really kind of unraveled all of that. And I think that that's so important people have a way to do that because you know like we talked about earlier people are working out harder they're working out more frequently and they're compounding that on just more stress in general in their lives so i think we're going to see a lot more of some of these hormonal and lifestyle fluctuations and i think we're going to need a lot more uh practitioners like you who are able to unravel and really get to the root cause and be able to intelligently address that And, you know, not to get off topic too much, but when we first started working, you were like, you know, I'm kind of glad we didn't jump right into TRT because your body wouldn't have even been able to process it. And I think you were absolutely right because, I mean, I know you were right, but you were absolutely right because I think at that time, my cortisol was all over the place. And, you know, even if we had started TRT, my body would have just siphoned it off and would have just like completely discarded it. And then all of a sudden my testosterone would still be lower. And then I'm having to like up my dosage of testosterone injections more and more and more to the point where now I'm actually running the risk of, uh, of some of the TRT or HRT injections that, you know, you had mentioned before when really it's not giving us an accurate picture. Right. And it wasn't addressing the underlying cause. Yes, exactly. And so, yeah, you know, stress is better and like everything, it's completely different. Like where I am, you know, we've been, I tore my lat in April of 2021. And then you and I started working together, what, July of, of 2021. And it's been what, almost uh, eight months now. And it's like night and day different. Like, I mean, complete, I can't thank you enough. Like it has completely turned my entire life around. Like not only yes the performance in the gym that's awesome super cool whatever like um i that's that's a great side effect but like i'm a better i'm better at my business i'm a better person i'm a better husband i'm nicer to be around (laughs) i have like more energy i'm more actively engaged in my life you know and i think that that is that is what can't be underwritten you know it's like Mm -hmm. you're just more present and i think that when you are swirling around in this stress low hormone just this crash and burn state you become so reclusive to everything else that's going around you and you're kind of hermetically sealed in this little hole and i think that you know through all of the work that you did you were able to help to bring me out of that and yeah it was it was great it was and i think you know, that was just a, that was just a regular Wednesday for you. You know, you're like, oh, this is, you know, this is what I do all day long. And I think we need more providers like you, I think is really what I'm trying to say. Cause that's, that's awesome. Yeah. That's really awesome to hear. And I'm so glad that you're feeling better. 
And I love, I still don't get tired of hearing people get better. Um, and honestly, when I finish, because I usually work with people, like if they're not on hormones for like a six month, eight month period, it's so fulfilling when I get to say like, okay, you don't need me anymore. It's like bittersweet. I'm like, I'm so happy that you feel better. You don't need me anymore. Goodbye. You know, and obviously like in a, in a business model, it's not great. <laughs> we, we, we go through the same thing in our sports rehab world. Absolutely. Yeah. But that's like what I want. You know, mm-hmm. I want people to feel better and not need me anymore. So. What kind of, um, so tell us as we kind of wrap up, tell us a little bit about, um, sort of what your practice setup is like. You mentioned, you know, um, obviously somebody like me is going to be, you know, being followed by you for hormone replacement and we're going to have, you know, semi-regular, you know, check-ins through, you know, every couple months. But tell us a little bit about, you know, what a, a visit or what an initial consultation and some of the, how your practice is set up without being a true like brick and mortar right. doctor's office. Yeah. So I do the virtual visits Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Tuesday, and Thursdays. I'm in the clinic. I can do virtual those days too, but I'm in the clinic. And normally the way it's structured is I want to make sure I'm a good fit for people, right? And that I can actually help them. So we'll schedule a first like 30 minute appointment after they do some paperwork. We'll kind of go over what's going on, what they're trying to accomplish and what they've already tried. And then I'll explain to them, hey, like these are my recommendations based off of you know whatever we're discussing. So if they decide to proceed from there, they can either do a membership and with a membership, it includes health coaching, right? Because, you know, like making lifestyle adjustments is not easy. And sometimes you need someone who has a different perspective to give you ideas or to continue to encourage you. And that's why I like pairing it with a health coach uh, because they have really good, whether it's nutrition or stress management, they can help you with that. And the appointments are usually monthly while we're working on addressing things. So whether it's hormones or gut health or whatever's going on, you're going to be on supplements for a little while. And in that six month period, it's going to be changing a lot, right? You're going to be getting better, we're going to be switching supplements. We're going to be decreasing doses. So that's why in the membership it's like we're meeting monthly just to make sure that things are on track. And honestly, everybody that like you're between six and eight months, everyone's getting better. So that seems to be like the sweet spot for that. And then, you know, for people who are like, not sure I want to do the membership. I do have like a functional assessment, whereas they meet with me, we order labs and then I just meet with them to kind of discuss the, the labs and the plan and then from there, they meet with the health coach. So that's three visits and they have a plan. So if you're like highly motivated and you're like, I don't really need, you know, to be someone to hold my hand through this whole thing, that's an option or just like one off appointments here and there. Also, I mean, the membership people tend to do the best in that. Right. And it's it's when we talk about the timeline, you know, you mentioned six to eight months as as kind of like a, I guess, average timeline. It sounds like a long time, but it is so hard to make some of these changes so quickly. You know, we're, we're talking about lifestyle changes. We're talking about like actual hormonal changes. And I think that especially when we talk about like sex hormones or those cholesterol derived hormones, those are not fast acting like, like insulin, you know, or it's mm-hmm. like, bam, you get a shot and it's like, you're good to go. Like you got a shot of adrenaline. It's like, no, some of these things are like a slow trickle in. And so I think that, you know, that's pretty incredible that six to eight months that you can really turn somebody's life around. And it's not like all of a sudden it's like, bam, at six months, you finally feel right. better. It's like a slow and steady climb through that. Yeah, it's a slow and steady climb. But and there might still be work that they need to do after, uh, you know, but they don't really need the handholding because they, really, they already know what to do and things are already getting better. And also something to remember for those of us who are impatient is that these things did not happen overnight, right? It probably took years of stress and whatever else was going on to get you to the point where you need to see me. So yeah, really six to eight months, it's not that bad. No. And I mean, it's obviously totally worth it, right? If you're really feeling feeling like that. So um, yeah, for those who may be listening and they're like, hey, you know what? Like Victoria sounds like a really great person that I want to reach out to. You plug a little bit about, you know, how people can get in touch with you, your Instagram, your website, your email, like what's, what works well to, to reach out to you. So the Instagram, uh, at healthful roots, MD, and also my email info at healthful roots, MD.com. And I do have a website, which is also www.healthfulrootsmd.com. Perfect. And I'll put some links in the show notes, but thanks so much for hopping on the podcast with us, Victoria. It was really great to just hear a little bit more about what you do, your background, and just, you know, talking about 
you know, everything that we interact with in our world. And of course, thanks for everything that you've done for me. Well, no problem. Thank you for having me. And I'm so glad to see that you're doing so great. Hey, real quick, before you go, I just wanted to say thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share with others by taking a screenshot of this episode and posting it to your story on Instagram by tagging at Tideline Sports Performance so we can repost it. And to stay up on all the latest from us, make sure you follow at Tideline Sports Performance on Instagram and Facebook. And of course, make sure you like and subscribe to this podcast. All right, guys, catch you next episode.